The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to talk about a powerful but complex marketing channel, programmatic ad buying. Joining us today is Danny Khatib, who is the founder of Granite Media, which is a new media publisher that pairs quality storytelling with smart business. Granite Media is both a content publisher and programmatic ad buyer, so Danny is uniquely qualified to share his thoughts on the programmatic advertising landscape. Today, Danny is going to give us his overview of the programmatic ad space and how his company uses it to monetize their content. Here's our interview with Danny Khatib, founder of Granite Media. Danny, welcome to the MarTech podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. I'm excited to talk about the programmatic advertising landscape and to be transparent, the mechanisms of the programmatic advertising landscape are confusing to me. So I'd love to get your definition of what programmatic advertising is. But before we go down that path, just give us a little context. Tell us about your background and a little bit about Granite Media. Sure. So my background is I've been in media in some form or another since early 2000 when I joined Time Warner in New York and stayed in the industry, went to grad school, out of grad school, got the startup, founded a women's lifestyle digital media company called Livingly Media with a friend of mine out of school. That was around 2006. We ran that for almost 10 years in early 2015. We sold that to a subsidiary of Axel Springer, stayed there for a couple of years. And then the founding team of Granite Media, including our first engineer, is now the founding team of Granite Media which is in some ways doing similar things, in some ways doing different. Along the way, at Livingly is really where I got my deep product-oriented experience. And I'd say as a founder of a startup, you do a little bit of everything. But for sure, I gravitate towards product organization in general. So I have a product sensibility. I like thinking about systems and building processes and tools and A-B testing. So that's kind of where my strong suit is. But I play a pretty broad palette. I also do revenue operations, advertising operations, I do development as well, depending on where we are in the life cycle of the business. So I'm kind of everywhere. So tell me a little bit more about the Granite Media business. My understanding is that you're a content producer, but then you're also advertising that content using programmatic ad tools. Talk to us a little about the business model and, and what your products are. 
So we're focused on building sustainable, high-quality journalism. Sustainable to us means profitable. So we focus on profit as much or more than we focus on revenue. And high-quality to us means highly engaging and either a large degree of entertainment or a large degree of information and knowledge building that happens. So for us, part of the tricks of the trade they're trying to apply is we want to be fully programmatic. We literally want to bring programmatic thinking to every aspect of the business except journalism. So at this stage of our business, we're just under a dozen people. We basically have two teams. We have an editorial team run by Michael Howerton, who has deep experience in editorial. He was the editor-in-chief of the SF Weekly, so the second and third largest periodicals in San Francisco. And so he has built a pretty traditional editorial organization. And then we have the founding team and a couple of engineers who make up the product team. So in general, the editors do their thing, and the product team figures out how to distribute and monetize the content. And the magic happens in, obviously, the overlap between the two. We have chosen to focus on marketing automation as our core go-to-market distribution strategy. We have built what we call a trading desk. And that's essentially a whole set of tools and processes for taking a piece of content once an editor is done with it, loading it into our trading desk like you would load it into an order of a trading desk or DSP elsewhere. And then through social platforms and through native networks, we slice and dice, we launch maybe 100 different advertising campaigns for a piece of content. We'll do ad creatives that are very tested, so 50 different ads for every ad set. And then it just automatically prices all of the campaigns up and down depending on performance. And that is our core model for getting users, getting engagement, and for monetizing the content. Because of that, we write with a particular type of editorial format in mind. So we tend to focus on long form and evergreen in nature. Long form is important because at the end of the day, if you don't have a highly engaging experience and you're trying to make money through advertising, you won't keep people long enough on your site to show them enough ads that you can make the marketing justifiable. And Evergreen is instead of writing breaking news or stories that really only have a three-day life cycle, we focus on more generic topics of national interest that can last anywhere from on average three to six months and possibly more. Again, to be able to get you a larger lifetime value for the content that you've produced and what you're attempting to market. So we focus on long-form evergreen, and then we focus on marketing automation to bring the audience in. So let me recap some of the things that I'm hearing from you is that you have an editorial team that's producing long-form content that is not necessarily breaking news, but meant to be evergreen. And then you've built out a marketing automation tool that you're calling a trade desk that is taking that piece of content and automatically bidding it across multiple marketplaces to try to drive traffic to that site so you can sell advertising. I want to take a step back and talk about the definition of programmatic advertising, because I think marketers think about that in a little bit of a different place. And you are clearly in that business if you have your own trading desk. Talk to me about how you define programmatic advertising and where do you see Granite Media playing in that space? For us, it's buying advertising through the use of automation and data. Those are the two. Those are not necessarily the same thing. So automation for us is bringing workflow tools and technology into place so you can do something faster than just one person can do manually. And that's one real important aspect of programmatic. Mm -hmm. And the other, of course, is the use of data, whether it's the use of audience data or the use of performance data, things that are not easy necessarily to see or to collect manually. 
So when you're thinking about the programmatic ad space, right, there's the idea that you're going to use some data to understand what the value of a piece of content is so you can basically measure your ROI in real time and you're automating the bidding process. You mentioned earlier that you have your own trading desk. Talk to me about how you define what a trading desk is and what are some of the other players that are trading desks or other providers in the space? So we use trading desk because we think there's an interesting analogy for publishers who might want to look at what agencies have done to evolve their businesses. If you look at the agency trading desks, they essentially bought the buying that they were doing manually in-house, and either they took seats on exchanges or they just worked with a DSP like DoubleClick Bid Manager or the Trade Desk or MediaMath to execute campaigns for them. And they brought that in-house to bring that sophisticated programmatic expertise into the team. A lot of publishers traditionally don't view this type of prospecting marketing that we do as easy to do or something that they can really get a handle on. So there isn't a lot of technology that publishers have built here. What they normally do is they hire an audience development team and they'll have five or six people who will run campaigns either through Google SEM or Facebook or on Taboo or Outbrain. And then they just randomly download spreadsheets and look at their campaigns. So what we've done is we've built that analogy for publishers. We don't know of a lot of houses who've done this yet. We expect it will become something that some of the bigger publishing houses will do over time, probably not the small ones. So for us, it's first and foremost a web UI where you can log in, create orders, load stories, load ad templates and ad creatives and hit go. And then there's a whole backend to it that involves a unified data stack that's merging data from our various marketing channel partners, from our own engagement statistics. And finally, we've built a real-time revenue analytics platform. So therefore, we can analyze and merge cost engagement and revenue data all together for a particular campaign. Interesting. What I'm hearing is that you're running two businesses, or there's two segments of the business. There's the content production, understanding what's likely to be well-trafficked and sustainable. And you're having an editorial team produce the content for a specific type of media that you know has a long life cycle. And then the second part of your business is managing the acquisition of traffic to that so you can then sell advertising. And basically, there's an arbitrage game here. You can use your trading desk and some of the programmatic ad buying tools to drive traffic that is at a lower cost than what your advertisers will pay? I would say that's pretty close to accurate, yes. Okay. Where did I go wrong? Well, we think of it as right now, it's actually one business because there's only one way we generate revenue, which is through advertising on our website. We operationally certainly have two very important teams and two very important organizations the marketing side, we think of as a core technology or product. It's not yet its own business. But as a startup, we certainly are investigating. And I had talks with other media companies as to whether or not we should license our trading desk for use outside of the company. So I would just say that may become a second part of our business. For now, we just are eating our own dog food. And if you look at the financials of the business, we look like any other publisher. We just have a very unique way of doing it. You have a sophisticated way of acquiring traffic that is using a lot of technology to understand and lower the cost of basically your readers, right? Your cost of acquisition. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. 
Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Talk to me about how you decide what content to produce. I'm assuming that there's some analytics and some data that goes into figuring out what's going to be evergreen and what's an interesting topic. Is it purely editorial or using math and data science to figure out what to write? We have not focused on using math and data science to assign stories yet. That feels much further down the field from where we are today. What we're trying to do is trying to arm the editorial team with the analytics and the performance data to help them draw their own conclusions. So that's where the overlap between traditional journalism and heavy use of data science and marketing automation come together. We think actually that this can work in any vertical, which is pretty exciting when you think about it. So it's less about the content category and more the style of content that you need to really make work in this channel. At our last company at Livingly, we were entertainment and fashion oriented, and those verticals did very well. Here at Granite, where we have shied away from celebrity in general, we're doing things like career development, personal finance, sports, family, travel. So pretty disparate range of categories, some which are text heavy, some which are photos. And it all works. We drive meaningful ROI and profit for every single one of the brands that we have. So the process and the recipe is repeatable. But you do need to hire creative and smart and hungry editors who will pour through the data and who will gain their own insights about what is working for their brand. Let's walk through the life cycle of a piece of content that you're creating. I understand that the editorial team is responsible for creating the content and you're feeding them the data in the sense of here's what we're seeing performing and what's monetizing well, but it's their decision what type of content they're writing. So you actually have a true editorial team. Correct. Let's pick a vertical that you're writing an article about. Uh, Travel. Okay. So you're writing an article about travel and give me a sample article or an example of an article that you've written. A sample article would be about forbidden destinations. Okay, so you're writing your article about forbidden destinations to travel. It's a long-form content. Let's say the example is if you're in the United States, you can't travel to North Korea and a handful of other places, and here's what you're missing out on. What's the length? I'm assuming it's long-form, so we're looking at a couple thousand words. You got it. It's 2,000 words plus with some mix of either photography or art. 
Okay, so once the piece of content has been polished and it's ready for publishing, where do you publish it and how do you drive traffic to it? So we have a custom CMS that we just go ahead and publish ourselves. It's a stripped down version of something like you'd expect from WordPress, but allows us to do our own analytics a little bit more deeply. Once that story is published, it'll essentially go into the marketing queue and we'll promote it through normal organic channels like putting it on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. But it essentially goes in the marketing queue and then twice a week, roughly, our marketing manager, who is actually our co-founder, will take that story and create an order in the desk. And we'll go ahead and load up advertising creatives for that story. Most of the headlines for the advertising creatives will actually come from the editors themselves. So an editor will generate a title to obviously put on the website, but they'll also generate, say, five other alternative titles along with some social text or description and caption options, possibly a thumbnail or two. So for an example of the type of secondary titles, we have an article about forbidden destinations and travel. And a secondary title that you might use for advertising is something like, here's what you're missing by not being able to travel to North Korea. Exactly. Okay. So you're basically trying to catch some eye-popping titles that are specifically made for advertising outside of what you're titling the actual article. Once you have your creative, then what happens? So we've created a launch sequence within our desk for any particular order. So what that means is we will launch what we consider the best markets and the best devices to start with. So our desk is integrated with Facebook, Twitter, Oath, Taboola, and Outbrain. We only run on a sub-segment of their whole network because the broader network is a disaster. So you have Taboola, Outbrain, Facebook, Twitter, Oath. Those are your content distribution channels. Yes. Those are our marketing channels where we've done deep API integrations with them. So for a phase one launch, we'll launch in Facebook, US desktop, and we'll try Twitter, mobile, Android, US and Canada. So there's a sub-segment of what we consider high-value opportunities, but we want to find users in different devices and geos and marketing channels so we can test whether a piece of content can perform. So we will put a launch budget against each of those, anywhere from 10 or 20 bucks, and some launch bids, which tend to be higher than what will be profitable because you have to kickstart these, and then they'll run. And after about 24 or 48 hours, you'll start collecting engagement and performance data, which will give you your first sense for, is this content actually engaging and is it working? And if it is, then you go ahead and you move to the second phase, which is launching more markets, more devices, more channels. And we have about three or four different phases where a really high-performing piece of content might go through all four. And a content that has no hope, it just isn't working, won't go through the four steps. It might stop at one. Okay. So you're creating test budgets and you're doing multiple variants of testing that looks at your device type, that looks at the marketing channel. And you have a bidding strategy, which to launch, you're seeding with a higher bid than normal just to get some data. And you're basically calling out what isn't working and then pouring fuel on the fire for ad placements that you're seeing that are successful. Correct. We have different targeting variations. So country is certainly one of them. Device is another. Channel is another. Operating system is pretty important. So for example, Android and iOS perform quite differently. We had a subset of those, and we will test small amounts for the first phase because there's a good chance we'll lose money. Okay. So once you're going through your testing budget and some of your channels are not working and some of them are, let's say, for example, 
the travel article that we've been talking about doesn't work on Android for Facebook or Tabula or Outbrain, but you're noticing that iOS mobile on Twitter, people are eating up this piece of content. What happens then? Currently, we do a daily pricing run. So every morning, we will have collected cost data, revenue data, engagement data from the day prior. And around 6 or 7 in the morning, we will do a reprice, both on the bid and the budget, according to that performance. So once things are launched, you actually never have to touch it again. And it will just auto-optimize itself for an ROI target. We tend to target 20% ROI. We have multipliers that you can apply on different targeting parameters if you want to do more or less. So if iOS is doing well on one marketing campaign on one channel, it will scale itself. So it's an automated process where you're saying you're coming in and you're doing your bid adjustments once a day. It's not a manual process. Your technology is going in, evaluating what data it has after a day, and is deciding how to allocate spend based on ROI. Correct. And then what the editors will do is they will see what's working and what's not by virtue of the fact of what's showing up in their top stories queue. We'll have other custom reports that we built on what's showing up as highly engaging. So we'll have different reports to look at what's happening, even though the pricing and the marketing itself is automated, we're constantly reviewing what's happening to give us a sense for how to make changes. A great example of a change that might come is you may see a certain piece of content is getting a lot of traffic, which means that the advertising creative has clearly enticed users, but it has a really high bounce rate. Well, that may tell you you've got you know only half the problem licked. That's, of course, an unprofitable campaign. But you're able to get people in the door. You're just not delivering on the value. So we will probably, like you might do for SEO optimization, we'll take another shot at the content. We may rewrite the landing page. The thing that sticks out to me, I understand that when you see a signal, right? Hey, we're getting a lot of traffic, but this isn't monetizing. We need to evaluate what the content is. I totally understand that. I think the, the piece that's missing for me, what's confusing is... The revenue optimization piece. I understand you're putting all these placements into different marketing channels. You have all your variables and you can see what has the highest click-through rate, what has the lowest cost. How are you calculating what the revenue is? How do you understand in real time what people are willing to pay for advertising for that specific placement? This is where we cut our teeth actually in ad tech and in ad tech analytics before we even started getting into the marketing side. We have built our own real-time revenue analytics platform where we are tracking every ad impression. This is now us as a publisher generating revenue. Mm -hmm. We look at every ad impression that we serve. Sometimes through programmatic channels, those bidders will tell us what they are paying. So we'll know we got a $1.50 CPM for this ad. Other times, like in the case of Google, they will not tell you what they're paying. And you have to predict what they're paying. So we have prediction models for that. We combine those with the actuals. And we generate our own revenue tracking that we then slice and dice by marketing campaign. Okay. So in some cases, you're getting real-time revenue. And in the case of Google with their display network, you've done it enough that you're able to predict how a piece of content is going to be valued. And you're able to match that ROI prediction against what you're paying to make sure that you're managing your profitability. So on the revenue side, what we're doing is we're trying to predict the revenue we're making. And that's its own system. Mm -hmm. We name our systems after gods and goddesses. So that's Juno. Juno's only job is to predict the revenue that we're making on all of our websites. 
Then we have a data warehouse that we call Jupiter. And Jupiter takes all of that revenue data and organizes it in different ways. In this case, they'll organize it for the sake of the marketing trading desk. And then we are able to see how much revenue total we made for a campaign. We merge it with how much we're spending to essentially tell us the profit or the ROI that we are making on that particular marketing campaign. Now, where the engagement piece sits in is we need to be able to take the revenue we're making and turn that into a revenue per session or revenue per click number. Once we have that number, we reprice our bid to hit our ROI target for that campaign. Does that make sense? I'm a little confused. I get that you have a revenue prediction system. That's Juno. And you have Jupiter, a data warehouse that takes all the information about what your revenue is and feeds it into a trading desk. And that every day you're taking in new data and optimizing your bid to make sure because your value for a specific placement is going to change over time. That's right. So I'll just follow one campaign and it might make more sense. That Twitter iOS campaign. We will track revenue on our entire website. We will attribute it to whichever campaign drove the user session. And we will then be able to translate it to how much revenue per click did we make for that particular ad campaign. So let's say it made 10 cents. We have other prediction models, which actually look at things like the day of the week to tell you that today's revenue per click is not going to be the same as yesterday's. So if you made 10 cents on a Friday, on average, you're going to make closer to 10 and a half or 11 cents on Saturday. So you run the desk on Saturday, you're going to use that prediction. You're going to say, okay, I'm probably going to make more like, let's just say 12 cents. Therefore, I'm going to change my bid to 10 cents because I want to target a 20% return. Okay. This is the problem that I have with programmatic ad buying is it's incredibly complicated. <laughs> it is. I'm sure that there are lots of companies that are investing heavily in programmatic ad buying, but it's not something that is as discussed or visible as something like the Facebook ad platform because of the amount of technology and the amount of data science that has to go into getting a test off the ground. There is a meaningful amount of technology here to be able to do the type of marketing automation that we're doing. We literally spent the first year investing in this trading desk. We probably spent six or eight weeks building our content management system, and we spent over a year before we even launched this trading desk. It's a meaningful investment. I think that's really the biggest takeaway for me is that you know when you're thinking about programmatic advertising, if you're building your own systems, they are a meaningful investment. So this is really an enterprise scale business strategy, not necessarily something that the smaller startup type marketers can focus on because of the amount of analytics, the data systems and the complexity that you have to build in. So lots of interesting things to think about when it comes to programmatic advertising. We're going to get into more detail about how you can use programmatic advertising and how you can run some tests in your business in our next episode. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to Danny Khatib, the founder of Granite Media, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Danny is going to tell us about whether large and small brands can leverage programmatic ad buying tactics. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Danny, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet where his handle is Khatib at K-H-A-T-I-B-D-A, or you could visit his company's website, Granite Media.
If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Danny Katib, the founder of Granite Media, we've got some great episodes lined up for the rest of the week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.